Hey podcast listeners, Young PR Pros and the University of Ottawa's Public Relations Association is pleased to announce that we were presented with an IABC Ottawa Excel Award of Merit for our podcast series entitled Take Your Oprah to Work Day. The series showcased different PR industries as future career options for young professionals. You can check out the full series at youngprpros.ca. We are proud to share the stage with an organization that helps young PR and communication professionals connect and grow. We can't wait to have you, Oprah, and their president, Sharon Chung, back on the show soon. And now, on with the show. You're listening to Young PR Pros, episode 83. Welcome to Young PR Pros, a weekly podcast for the young and young at heart PR pros looking for tips and advice on how to build and advance their careers. I am Christine Darbell in Ottawa, Canada. And I'm Julia in the wilderness of Ottawa. <laughs> so I hear you're recording from outdoors today. I am. There are there are no meeting rooms available at my office, so I'm on the back patio and there are daffodils and narcissus everywhere and a barbecue and a picnic table. So if you hear birds, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a perfect place to, to record from. How about we, we kick off today's episode? Uh, Julia, you found a really interesting article in CanadianLiving.com. Yeah, of all places. Um, <laughs> Which I guess is no surprise, right? <laughs> yeah, very, very, uh, I, you know, I get these emails and they say, this one said uh, eight social media, I think it was eight social media, you know, things to never do. And I thought, Canadian Living's writing about that. That's really interesting. And I read them, and some of them were um, no-brainers. Like, um, mm-hmm. But a few of the others were, were interesting. So the um, article was written by Jackie Middleton um, with, with uh, Canadian Living. Um, and the title is Eight Social Media Mistakes That Could right. Damage Your Career. Um, so she says, social media has made information very accessible. And the worst kind of information can hurt you professionally. One expert shares etiquette tips when it comes to your social media streams. Uh, so I figured let's just go through them. There's eight, uh, and then maybe we can, um, you know, talk about maybe our experiences. So the first I want to one. Talk about number one. <laughs> accepting friend requests from coworkers. So when I one of my very first jobs um, was a government contract, and I remember working of shadowing somebody in internal communications there. And I, I went to add her on. I think it was Facebook because we became good friends and. She said to me um, over coffee, she's like, you know, as a rule, when I'm working in an organization, I do not have anyone that I work at with, even if I'm friends with them, uh, on social media or on Facebook. And I never forgot that. And I didn't at the time really understand why, but now I do. I think the separation, mm-hmm. I, I think it's great that you have friends at work, and I think that's wonderful. And, you know, not every workplace is going to offer you that, but you can make lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Um, at, a, at an office. However, the separation from your personal life and your professional life is sometimes extremely important, especially if you're a young professional. Mm-hmm. Because you are trying to make an impression and you're trying to put forward a persona that you are a, a professional, hardworking, um, serious individual. I mean, yes, you're going to have, you're going to be well rounded, you're going to do 
personal things. People know you have personal time. But I just think that that line is is important. Um, and, and then if you don't have people from work on your social media, you don't, um, and I'm talking about Facebook in particular, really. Yeah. Um, you don't need to, you don't need to censor yourself as much either. So, you know, if, if I'm going to post a, you know, an opinion on a political piece that might, you know, rub some coworkers the wrong way or something like that. Yeah. Give them insight into a side of me that I don't generally, you know, advertise at the office. So I, I completely agree with you. One of my teachers, uh, in fact, when we, um, when I was in college, uh, a couple of the college students, because I guess for our generation, it is popular now to get onto Facebook and, you know, add everyone you know. I mean, why not, right? So when I went to college, a couple of my classmates added me, and which was fine. It was really important to have them on, on, on social media so that we could do uh, group work. But then some of them actually started to add some of our teachers. Some of our teachers said yes, but I, I will always remember what one of my, uh, the, the head teacher said, Stephen Heckbert, and I'm sure you've heard his name, a mentor of mine. Yeah. Um, he said that he never accepts um, Facebook requests from uh, from uh, from his students. Uh, and he says, and, and this should be your, your, you know, your practice going forward. Work is work. Life is life. Yes, there is a little bit of, of you know, overlap here and there once in a while. Um, but he, may, he was very um, animate about the fact that, you know, I'm not going to accept your friend request until you graduate. When you graduate, we are no longer in a professional relationship. We're in more of a personal relationship, like a mentorship. So I have him on Facebook now, but I didn't have him on Facebook until I actually graduated. Well, I just think once you leave, like, for example, if I were to leave my current job, I would add all these people on Facebook for sure. Yeah. And and I did. Yeah. And I did that with, um, well, I I did that with, uh, the majority of my colleagues uh, at Thornley Fallis. Um, I added a couple of them to Facebook once I left, if I hadn't already had them on. I mean, there, there's some exceptions to the rule. Like for example, I always had Sherry Lynn Starkey on my Facebook, even from the beginning. And I think it's just because we were, we were so close. She was a mentor of mine. Um, and we were both open on social media and I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong on social media. So I, I opened that door between her and I, but it didn't, um, not for everyone. I guess I, I, I was, um, maybe picky for certain people. If it was more of a, a colleague relationship, then I probably would have waited until, um, I left. And then, but if I have a closer relationship with them where we actually, uh, speak outside of work, then I, I, I might add them on. But I mean, I think it's a personal judgment as well as how close, you know, think about the stuff that you post on Facebook. You know, I post pictures of my husband. I post pictures of my dogs. I post pictures of things that I'm doing, running, all this kind of stuff. My, you know, my personal life, my dinner menu or whatever. Um, you know, do I want every single colleague in my office to know exactly what I'm doing at 5 p.m. that day or at 6 p.m. or whatever it is, you know? Um, and what if I want to share something on Facebook during the day, you know? Um, different people perceive, uh, using social media at work differently. Some people think it's fine, you know, I mean, I use it for actually work purposes. Sometimes I'm actually yeah, on Facebook. Too. If someone has mentioned CAA, you know, I actually have to go in and check. Is it a good or a bad mention? Um, and but some people who don't necessarily work with social media might see it as someone slacking who's posting on Facebook. So whether or not their opinion is right or wrong, that's still their opinion. So you want to make sure that if you do have them on Facebook and if that's their opinion, it's something you might have to keep in mind because they might think that you're slacking at work. So it's, it's a very, it's, I find it's a gray area. I don't think it's very black and white, but it is still something to keep in mind when uh, you're adding people on, you're adding coworkers on Facebook. For sure. 
Okay, number two. This this was a no-brainer for me. <laughs> Tweeting about a potential job offer. <laughs> what do you think? Oh. I, well, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Do we need to discuss this much? Like, no. <laughs> guys, if you're getting offered jobs, if you're hunting for jobs, that is top secret until the employer tells you you can announce you've got the job. Exactly. And when you get offered a job, you don't say anything to anyone, especially not online, unless the employer has said you're allowed. So, you know, for example, I've received jobs before where somebody was let go in order for me to get the job. So... You have to clear with the employer, you know, I, you can't, I can't announce that I've got XYZ title at this company when there's someone currently doing that job that doesn't know they're going to get let go. So I, I think this is a no-brainer. Yeah, and I think it's really important to remember um, a job offering is not a job yet. That's a job offering. So like you said, you need to make sure that you actually have the job before you start announcing it online. Um, and I mean, I, I think it also goes as a no brainer. If you're tweeting about a job offer, but you're still currently in a job, you'd want to make sure that you've spoken to your boss about potentially yeah. leaving. I mean, I know there's a whole bunch of implications. I mean, I'm assuming that someone would have actually spoken to their boss, given them the two weeks notice. And then, you know, you know? there's a lot of people out there that don't think they stay certain. Exactly. Right, so. But I think with any Anything. And I, I was very clear also about um, when, when I got my job at CAA um, and, and because I left on good terms with, uh, with Thornley Fallis, um, I wanted to make sure that everything was, you know, I, I wasn't just going to all of a sudden start tweeting about the fact that it was with CAA. But on my first day, because I was actually an officially an employee, I checked into like CAA National and said, you know, first day on the job. That's fine. You're, you're in the job. You've accepted the job. You're actually an official employee. Talking about it beforehand, I mean, I even even have a very hard time talking about it, you know, in person with people. I'm, I was very, very hush hush, you know, it's, there was a few people who knew that I was moving. It was my, um, uh, my, my supervisor and my boss knew I was moving and that was about it. And then right near the end, we had a little office party and then everyone else internally in my office knew. And then I had close friends who knew, but it was a big surprise when I finally announced that my first day at CAA, I had a lot of friends on social media that said, Oh, I didn't know. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I think it's, uh, something to, to keep in mind. You, I think the most important thing here is you don't want to burn any of your bridges. In public relations and communications, get used to it. It's a small world, a really, really small world. So you burn your bridge one in one area. Um, it doesn't even have to be in the same city, but just because our industry is so small and everyone speaks, you burn your bridge in one place, you could be, you know, um, halting a, an opportunity in the future somewhere else. So I would keep that until you actually are officially an employee. <laughs> okay, number three, complaining publicly. I, this is another no yeah. Don't complain about your coworker on Twitter. Someone's going to see it. And also, it doesn't look good to bad talk the current job you're in in any capacity. No, and, and I think uh, just complaining in general doesn't necessarily have to be about your employer. If I were to go around on uh, Facebook and talk about how much, you know, oh, my, my Ford Fiesta did this the other day. It, it didn't start on time or, you know, I don't like the volume or if I went on and on about all the stuff that I hated about the Ford Fiesta, what if I ever wanted to get a job with Ford in the future? What if I had an opportunity yeah. to be working for their communications team? They could see, I mean, it doesn't matter what your privacy settings are, there is a ton of ways for someone to find out what you've been talking about on social media, be it Twitter or Facebook. If you're tweeting bad about a certain product or uh, an organization, 
um, think twice about it, especially in communications. You never know what organization you're going to work for. You might not be working directly for that organization, but look, I'm working, you know, for, for an automobile association. I shouldn't be talking bad about any cars. You know what I mean? Or what if I start talking bad about a restaurant and then down the road, I'm working for an agency and all of a sudden the agency wants to get this restaurant as a client and they find out that one of the agency people were talking bad about them on social media. I just lost the agency money. You know what I mean? So be careful before it's, it goes with the age old saying, don't tweet if you're mad. You know what I mean? Take, take a breath. Um, think before you, you tweet. Um, I would leave complaining off of social media if possible Four, blindly sharing content. This is a big one because people just retweet things all the time and they don't actually, they don't actually read them. So I think the moral of the story is if you haven't read it in detail and don't endorse it personally, don't share it. And you know what's funny? You mentioned if you, if you don't endorse it. I see a ton of people on social media who say retweets don't mean endorsement. I don't think that is true. If you're retweeting something, you're obviously retweeting it for a reason. Um, if someone tweets I, out... I think that if you retweet something you don't endorse, you have to... You have to explicitly to say it. ...and say something else. Yeah. yeah, like say, for example, someone tweets out, you know, I hate the liberals or something like that, and then you retweet it and you don't say anything. Yeah, I... Looks like you, yeah. And whether you say or not that you, you know, retweets don't equal endorsements, um, people aren't necessarily going to read your bio on Twitter before they see that you exactly. tweeted something. Exactly. So I would take that out of your bio because I don't actually think that that's true. If you're retweeting something, there is some sort of human connection to that tweet that you want to share. And normally we want to share things that we agree with. We don't want to share things that we disagree with. Right. Um, but if someone were to tweet, I hate the liberals or I hate the conservatives and you retweet it and you say, I disagree, you know, now you're actually explicitly saying that you've disagreed with this tweet. So you're retweeting it, not just to retweet tweet it, but you're actually saying, I'm agreeing or disagreeing with what this person has said. Um, and you could retweet something saying, you know, title seems really interesting, would love to read later, but you really want to share it anyway. Like, I, I don't know what I mean, there, that eats up a lot of characters. I don't know why you would do that, but um, making sure that if you're retweeting something that you actually haven't read through, make it explicit so that, you know, you're not endorsing something that you haven't read. And I have to, you know, I have to be careful because I've done it before where I've seen a title and I've read the first, you know, I've clicked on the link, read the first paragraph and said, you know what, this actually is kind of interesting. And then go, I went right to Twitter, retweeted it. And then while it was off into the ether of the internet, I actually scrolled down and kept reading the article and realized, whoa, whoa, I realized that this is not an article that I thought Uh, You know, the first paragraph seemed great, but as I was going down, it completely changed. So then I went back on Twitter and I said, actually, if you read this article, you know, you'll notice that by the end, it kind of goes a little wonky or something like that. So, I mean, you know, I caught my mistake, but uh, (laughs) I remember reading a comic one day and uh, it was right when I was first starting to use Twitter and there's two guys sitting at um, a kitchen table and they both have phones in their hand and then you kind of see bubbles, um, like little speech bubbles. And one says, you know, uh, 5.05 and then there's a headline and then the guy says, retweet, 5.06 headline and then he says he retweets it again 507 another headline and then he retweets it and then the guy across from him says wow you read three articles in three minutes he's like no 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 i just retweet so (laughs) it's like no no if you're gonna retweet something you should probably know what you're retweeting so click on the link you know skim through it make sure that you know what it is okay next five Um, well this is similar 
Posting tasteless comments or content. You know, similar to the complaining one. I don't see how it's it's very different. I would go right back to what we were talking about. You know, if you're, yeah. I mean, it is a no-brainer not to put anything uh, like tasteless on social media. Are, you know, some people have roles and where it's their job to be opinionated and it's their job to be, you know, outspoken or to take a stance. Um, but there's a difference between being unsavory or insensitive or, or, you know, rude and, and having an opinion. So you can respectfully state opinions. I think it's just about being polite. Yeah. And I think one thing to keep in mind, actually, this point speaks a lot to sarcasm as well. Um, there's people out there and I've got friends and I love their sarcasm, you know, and I can be sarcastic sometimes as well. But if I'm sarcastic on a podcast, everyone can hear the intonation of my voice and they know whether they know who, who I am or maybe what we've talked talked about on previous episodes. If I say something, you know, sarcastic, you probably can hear that I'm being sarcastic. With social media, there's no voice intonation. It's very, very hard to read sarcasm. And I've seen tweets before and you know, sometimes I'm like, was that supposed to be sarcastic? Is that a joke? And then I don't quite know. Um, Now, there are other people who've posted sarcasm, but because I know them really well, I'm like, okay, I get the joke. I get the sarcasm there. But remember, not everyone who's following you on social media, especially with Twitter, because it's an open platform, not everyone knows you. Not everyone can understand your sarcasm. So I would be careful. You know, this, this point just... Be careful with jokes and sarcasm on social media. Make sure it's really explicit. Make sure that anyone can understand the joke, regardless of whether whether or not they know you. Agreed. Okay. Number six. (laughs) Posting nudity. Okay, I don't even think we're going to give this... We don't need to even talk about this. Guys, (laughs) No. don't. (laughs) I think this is a (laughs) no-brainer. Number seven. Yeah. Not knowing your company's social media policy. This is actually a really interesting one because not every organization has a document out there that says, this is what our social media policy is. Line one, you thou shalt not do this. Line two, thou shalt not do. You know, not everyone has an actual policy document. Some smaller organizations, not-for-profits, they might just not have the time, they might not have the team or the resources to put together a social media policy. You should offer to write one for them if they don't. That could be one way to, you know, uh, uh, show show your initiative in an organization. But, I mean, I understand why some of the smaller ones wouldn't. I mean, it's just, most companies' rules aren't very strict. It's like, you know what, You, you work for a company, and guess what, you are... Just like you are a representative of your family, yeah. you are a representative of your company because you are employed by them. And if you are doing something ridiculous, even on your personal time, it's a bad reflection because you people know you work for this company. Yeah. So um, just be aware. I mean, they might have rules like, you know, you can't have a personal blog. You need to know that. That's also a deciding factor on whether or not you would actually choose that job. Exactly. Um, uh you need to know if they don't want you to have Twitter, if they don't want you using, for example, my company, you're not allowed to use your work email to sign up for any social media. So LinkedIn, etc. you have to use your personal email. Oh, so those are uh, things that you should, you know, ask yeah, about it. just you little know? things. Yeah, you need to know about those things. Uh, another thing that's, that's interesting about this, so some people might say, oh, but I work in IT or, or I work behind the scenes. Now, I know this, this podcast is for public relations and communications professionals, so we're obviously the forefront in the face of our organizations. But even if you're a communications officer that never speaks to the media, never speaks to clients, never speaks to external stakeholders, maybe you're just 
100% internal. Doesn't matter if you don't have an external relationship with people, you still work for an organization, which means you are still the face of a company. So whether or not you actually have a role that means that you're face to face with external audiences all the time, don't use the excuse of, well, I don't need to follow the social media policy because I'm not actually in the public. Social media policy is not just for the CEO and the spokesperson of the company. It's for everyone because everyone is the face of a company. So just to, you know, keep, keep, keep that in mind, even if you're behind the scene. Absolutely. And last but not least tweet now, think later. This is, <laughs> yeah. So this is like, kind of like think first, then tweet. Um, we, ju- we already talked about this, but there is a, a part, the second paragraph spelling and grammar errors in your post make you look careless. So true. Yeah. But you know what? I'm the worst for this because tweeting is so fast for me. I would say like probably 10% of the time I'm like, oh my God, there's a spelling error. And then I go back and delete the tweet like two seconds after I've hit tweet (laughs) and have to rewrite it. I do that all the time. I'm the worst for typos. I think faster than I type and I just like my fingers can't keep up. And then I just like, I like miss whole words. (laughs) I normally catch them. I normally catch yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, the important thing. But if I just took time to read the tweet before I hit tweet, I wouldn't have to correct all these tweets. And it's also, I mean, well, it depends. If we're just talking about Twitter, it's the, the 30 seconds it takes you to read 140 characters, right? But if you're so excited about something or what happens with me, if the times that I make the most... You're live ex- tweeting. I'm live tweeting, yeah. That's when I'm making mistakes is I'll hear something and I'll be like, oh, that's great. I'll go, I'll quickly tweet and then I'll hit send and then I'll be on to my next tweet or on to the next thing. So what I have started doing in my... live tweeting is actually writing the tweet down um, and then the moment that I have a break in you know maybe he takes a breath or something like that then I could be like okay I'm gonna tweet that or you know I'll I'll sort of half listen right now so so that this way I still remember the idea but I'm also taking my time to sit and write down the tweet now there are presentations where I end up just writing down tweets and I don't even have time to sit down and write the tweet because I'm so or or post the tweet because I'm so engaged in the in in the um, presentation and in those cases what happens is I'll send out a tweet and say you know couldn't really keep up with the live tweeting, but here are some of the thoughts that I had. And then I'll, I'll send out a couple of tweets all at once kind of thing, just because I'd rather do that, avoid the mistakes than, you know, tweet something out. But I've gotten much better at this, especially with the fact that I run CAA's Twitter account and we're a national organization. Uh, you can follow us at CAA. Having the responsibility of holding this public facing online pro- uh, property has made me realize the importance of making sure that everything's spelled correctly everything you know the link is working everything is done properly um so i i'm actually a a, like i I do a lot of scheduling like i don't necessarily tweet things right out right away unless i'm retweeting like a club a caa club tweet or something like that a lot of times i've scheduled it and then this way it gives me time to reread it again and then i hit you know send again so Having having that responsibility of running this Twitter account has kind of made me a little bit more conscious of, of being careful. Absolutely. So um, I think we should end it there. Uh, we're we're out we're at about twenty minutes on this podcast. Yes, we're out of time. But I want to thank everyone for spending this time with us. We would love to hear about your comments. Would you like to add to this list? What are the other social media mistakes that could damage your career? You can send us an email at youngprpros at gmail or you can leave a comment on our website at uh, youngprpros.ca or catch us on social media on LinkedIn, Pinterest, Facebook, Google+, or on Twitter at youngprpros, at Christine Darbell, and at Ken Thanks, and we'll see you next week.